Welcome to Hashtag Jazz, the family-friendly Grow a f***ing pair Podcast exclusively about Utah jazz basketball I hate this history class From two of the most Emotionally unstable Guys in the business And now, here are your hosts Jason Walker and Trey Sanders Hey everybody, welcome back Thanks so much for listening Uh a week later, and having re-listened to our intro, I realized that our names are in fact introduced in the intro. So I don't know what, how to start these anymore. Um, so. You've done a, you've done a fine job. <laughs> Usually, I get to say stuff, but now like the intro says everything for me. It's like <laughs> it's throwing you off, huh? Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> I will say, just sitting here talking to Trey, I've realized just how close I had the moment where it's like, holy crap, jazz basketball starts this week. And it just hit me. It's like, I've I've just gone so long without basketball. I don't know what it's like to have it. I've been coasting along on football, like Utah State football, the NFL and all that. And I realized that, oh yeah, my basically favorite team is about to actually start and I can truly be happy again. So... Yes, happy for how long we'll see. Yeah, that's true. Uh, there's <laughs> there's a lot of things that can happen that could easily derail the season. Yeah, let's let's try not and dwell on that. Um, let's talk about the the thing that has been existing so far preseason, um, which is I don't know called the gateway drug to the actual NBA season. <laughs> gateway drug. I don't know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, it's more of a it's more of like still training camp, more or less. It's work out the kinks, yeah. you know, get that stuff all sorted out. I don't know if I'd call it a gateway drug. I mean, it yeah. might be a gateway drug for us. I don't know if it yeah. is for them. Maybe an appetizer. It's just like it's that, yeah, yeah, that little go. thing before you really get the hit of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we are we are entering the absolute best time of the year. I mean, people will say it, it's Christmas time, or I guess that's just the song. I don't know how many people really say that. But October and November, like mid to late October, early November, is the best time of the calendar because basically all sports are going on. I mean, the NBA is just starting up then, but like you have football, you know, at every level pretty much. The NBA starting up, hockey's going, baseball's wrapping up. Mm. there's no better time of year so i'm really happy but again we've got the jazz but with with preseason we just had the game against the sacramento kings which is the the warm-up to or the gateway drug <laughs> we'll keep going with that analogy <laughs> it's the warm-up to the regular season contest on wednesday and if we go by if this game is any indication then we'll beat the kings by uh, a lot final score of that game was 132-93 and for once the win wasn't because our third string training camp signees they're going to get cut in a couple days outplay the other team's third string training camp players that are going to get cut in two days the starters actually outplayed the other starters I mean in the first quarter it was 39-10 and I actually walked into the game, like I walked into work and they had it on a TV and it was the end of the first quarter. I was like, holy cow, 
be playing a high school team today? Is the Sacramento Kings secretly a team from Australia? It was it was pretty insane. Yeah, it looked like a bunch of uh, people showed up in like a rec ball tournament and they ended up playing against an NBA team. I, I, it was just... Sacramento has been terrible for years, but holy crap, like whatever Quinn said to them or whatever their practice was, I guess, according to uh, Ron Boone and those guys that watched the practice, they said it was just intense, an intense practice. And I, I, Sacramento, they're not a team you can hate necessarily, but you kind of feel bad for them because they're just trying so hard to become relevant again and they just can't do it. Uh, Like, yeah, that was, I, I wasn't bored by any stretch, but I was just like, when does this get good? Because it was just watching the Jazz just absolutely demoralize them. Yeah, well, it's going to get good, I guess, on Wednesday when it'll actually mean something when the Jazz would ideally go 1-0. Obviously, that game hasn't happened, so games aren't played on paper. But, I mean, there's... I want to take away from this as as something good. Like you said, they responded to them having played very poorly against the Raptors and Trailblazers. Because yeah, that was that was a huge concern for us. Because you know, yes, they won both those games, but the starters look bad and the rotation players look bad, and that's who's actually going to show up and be playing in the regular season games. Um, the thing that I I really just took away is that everyone was looking sharp. They look good. Donovan Mitchell had his shot. You know, a lot of these past games, he was shooting about as many shots as he had points. Other guys were only doing okay offensively, but now we're looking crisp on offense. The defense was absolutely suffocating, and you know, all the starters are in the positive for plus minus. So, you know, again, it was against a team that's not going to be very good this year, but when the team looks good and they're not playing like crap, that's at least a positive sign. Sure. But I, I mean, yeah, jazz looked like they were in tip top shape, man. And like when you put your starters out, not even before the third quarter ends and then they just sit on the bench means you've done your job. Um, Sacramento, I, I just, I was even watching this game. I was like, these guys know basketball fundamentals. Like if someone's, if, if there's a screen and they're doing a roll, naturally there's going to be a guy either open in the paint or on the corner because someone's going to try and help out. I've never seen a team so discombobulated in my life. Yeah. And I think a lot of, they have a lot of youth on their team. I mean, they brought in, was it Marvin Bagley, Willie Cully Stein, still pretty young, Darren Fox, but he healed. So they're a pretty young team. Um, and that's again, it being preseason and the Sacramento Kings being not very good. You can only take away so much from this game. Um, but one of the things that want to take away from this game and really the whole preseason is the play of, of a few players. One of them, um, we'll start with Alec Burks cause he has, he has played very well. Um, oh, yeah. and I guess he's basically been the same player, you know, his whole career. He's always been an offensive spark. We've always talked about, oh, Alec Burks, he can be an offensive spark. Um, 
you know, and I've always kind of been on that that Alec Burks bandwagon. I kind of jumped off a while back, and I've been off, and I'm considering getting back on, like saying, look, Alec Burks can be uh, an important player on this team if given an opportunity. He was given an opportunity in the playoffs last year against the Rockets, played fairly well for stretches, and Again, we've talked about this over and over. His offense could be very important for a bench that doesn't have a lot of scoring options. I mean, they brought in Grayson Allen, and he'd be a scoring option off the bench. This is something the team needs because Royce isn't scoring. Jay Crowder is, you know, his best scoring is going to be if he shoots threes well. Uh, Tabo Cephalosh is not a scorer. Dante Exum's developing into one, but he's still not a reliable scorer. And Ipe Udo only scores if he's two, sec- you know, two feet next to the rim. Hmm. So I'd, I'd like to think that Alec Burks has kind of played himself into at least getting a chance. Uh, I don't know how the rotation is going to work out. There's already barely enough minutes for the guys we want to be in there. You know, Dante Exum, Royce O'Neal, Tabo, and all those other guys, in, at least in those wing minutes. So, I mean, do you think there's a possibility of him just never getting a shot because there's no minutes? I don't think so. I I, uh, I was like I was talking to my brother-in-law about this last night over dinner. I I've never I haven't seen Alec Burks look this not just confident, but I haven't seen him look this good ever. Um, he's always been, you know, super sporadic and almost when he goes to the basket, he almost seems a little out of control for the most part. And he said last year, I can't remember who, where that interview was. I can't remember if it was on the broadcast or what, but, uh, he was saying that he feels like the game is slowed down for him and that, uh, he's able to make decisions quicker and everything. I didn't. I saw flashes of that last year, but even just this preseason, he just seems like he's he's in a he's he just seemed to be in a zone more or less, and he was making better passing decisions. He was um, more creative going to the basket than he was just put my head down and my shoulders in and go up, you know. Um, so I feel like I, I feel like he's gonna be. Uh, I don't know if it's too early to say, but he might even be the sixth man for us finally. Yeah, I don't know about six man. That'd be pretty high for him. He's got to beat out Jay Crowder and Dante Exum and Royce O'Neal, who are, I would say, the top three candidates for that role. But I do agree that if he's eliminated some of those things you mentioned, you know, slowing down, letting the game kind of come to him, um, so to speak, if he's eliminated those things, that gives him a much higher chance because that was what was keeping him on the bench. I mean, you put him in in garbage minutes and he looks awesome because his stat line ends up being like six for six with 15 points and five minutes but that's just because it's garbage time and he's just you know going straight to the basket and putting up a wild shot and that night you know he made all six of them but in go ahead yes well i was gonna say i mean i don't see jay crowder necessarily being a sixth man because he's going to be coming in to relieve Derek favors of his uh of his efforts whereas epe is our backup center you're going to have a kind of you know Tabo and Jay filling in that four spot whereas um Burks is your wing maybe maybe play the three spot but in this in this era of basketball it doesn't even matter it's all positionless anyways but um it's just crazy to to see that we find like it's weird he's been here what eight nine years and we're finally seeing a mature version of him 
Yeah, it's been a long time, and, and he's not had a whole lot of opportunity to develop outside of like his third year when you know, he was showing that he could be at least a decent role player. He's not sure. a great role player, and maybe he's improved. We've not really seen. We've only seen him in spurts, and that's not really enough to see if he can actually be a rotation player. A lot of players in the NBA, I feel like, are a lot better than we think they are solely because if you actually just stuck them in a position where they get 10 to 15 minutes a game and are going to get that no matter what, they'd actually produce pretty well. Mm. There's very few players who, if you just stick them in for 10 to 15 minutes, are just going to suck the entire time. Now, there's going to be better role players than others, but you know, every, everybody's an NBA player here. And I think Alec Burst is kind of that where if you actually gave him 10 or 15 minutes – he can show that he's improved, like I said, where he can control himself on offense. And I think the biggest thing, you know, we've talked about his offense. The biggest thing is his defense, I think, where yeah. he's always been a guy with defensive potential. He's, you know, he's quick. He's long. He gambles too much, yeah. Yeah, he's not a disciplined defender. He doesn't have all the little nuances. And maybe maybe he's improved. I've I've not really seen anything out of him. Um, but he's not again. He's not really played. So if he's improved his defense, that'll be the biggest thing that'll keep him on the floor. Because that's something that Quinn Snyder really values is defense. And we'll talk about this in a moment because of Grayson Allen. But I, I guess the final thought for me on Alec Burks is that he can be an important player on this team. I've already said this, but he can be an important role player on this team if he has. You know, the ability to not be such a streaky player, because that's the reason we got rid of Rodney Hood, is he was a streaky player. So hopefully Alec Burks can be a little better than that. Totally. Yeah, I, I think I, I think it, we will. Um, like I said, if he, he just looks like he's much more um, mature out there. Um, but yeah, um, I expect to see a lot more out of him. I feel like he's going to play a bigger, bigger role this year than he did last one. Because yeah, Rodney Hood's gone now, so um, I think that AB was kind of sitting in the wings when Rodney was here. And now that Rodney's gone, um, I still wish Rodney the best, but I'm glad you're gone. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I, I rooted for Rodney Hood in his first game in Cleveland, but it's like, yeah, I'm kind of glad you're in Cleveland, not here. Yeah, um, just because he doesn't quite fit and. Um, but let's move on to Grayson Allen and something that came out this week is that Quinn in some media availability press conference, I have no clue what it was. He basically said he sent a message through the media, which I feel like is rare for Quinn Snyder. I feel like usually he'll do things behind closed doors, but he basically said that Grayson Allen is going to play defense. I think he was specifically talking about transition defense, but basically said he's going to have to improve his defense or he's not going to play. And that's <laughs> that's insane. And it, it, it kind of shows, again, the emphasis of this team. You have to play defense. Yeah. It's, it's the reason Rodney Hood got shipped off. It's the reason, probably I imagine, one of the biggest reasons Ennis Cantor got sent out. And just all these and players. Lyles. Say what? And Lyles. Oh, yeah. Trey Lyles as well. Um, you know, all these guys they leave because they don't play defense or they don't like three hour practices or whatever, but you got to play defense or you don't. And it's like we said that about Alec Burks, 
He couldn't play consistent defense. He was good on offense, but no defense, so he sits on the bench. You know, Dante Exum, when he was struggling a little bit a year or so back, some of it was his defensive struggles along with some offensive struggles, so we got stuck on the bench. You know, guys like Royce O'Neal, his defense is one of the biggest reasons why he earned a rotation spot, along yeah. with the, he had to step in for Tavo Cephalosha. So there's a bit of circumstantial help, but he's earned a rotation spot this year because of his great defense. And so for Grayson Allen, he's going to have to learn that, you know, he's got to play defense. Sure. Well, and it's it's that it's that um, it's that establishment of identity. Um, it's like when Pop, uh, Greg Popovich, you either are you either play in his system or you don't play there. And Quinn has wholeheartedly created his own uh, identity for what he wants his team to be, and it's going to be defense first. And I think that'll be his, Grayson Allen's biggest adjustment because I think when you're in college you're never going to be in that disciplined of a system. You know, Grayson did play for a really good coach, but you know, he wasn't necessarily, I don't imagine he was forced to play defense. It wasn't this extreme. And now coming in here, I imagine kind of part of his identity is I'm a, I'm a pretty decent shooter. I can score, you know, offense is kind of his thing. He doesn't pride himself on his defense. And maybe he does to some degree, but you know, his bread and butter his identity is as an offensive player, and now he basically has to almost act like he is completely defensive player in order to get rotation minutes. Um, sure, and I don't, I don't feel like that's going to be hard for him to do either. I mean, obviously he responded well um, against Sacramento. I don't know if it was like exactly what he was looking for, but Grayson Allen has always had a motor. Um, he's always going to give you hustle no matter what, whether it's. Um, diving for loose balls or whatever. So I feel like that's going to translate pretty well. I think he'll figure it out pretty, pretty easily. Yeah, definitely. That, that motor does give me a lot of hope because that is a large percentage of defense is just being willing to play it, being willing to play hard at it. There are obviously still some nuances. You got to be smart as a defender. Uh, you got to have the right tools to play defense. Uh, you're never going to be a six foot five rim protector, but you know, Grayson Allen, he's got enough of the NBA tools, and he's if he's that if he uses that motor properly, and he learns to be a smart defender, then he can at least not be a negative. Uh, he's not defensive player of the year material. He's not even all defensive material. I don't think he'll ever be really known for his defense. It'll just have to be kind of that you know Joe Ingles, where you know he's good at defense, but he's not necessarily shutting down anybody. I mean, Joe Ingles kind of shut down Paul George. But against the best of the best, Joe Ingles is going to get burned just as much as the next guy. Right, but he uses his smarts to make up for it, for sure. Yeah, and that's that's a big thing because Grayson Allen's going to have to be so much like Joe Ingles. That's going to be his best comparison, or at least the best you know looking to, because Joe Ingles is pretty slow. He's not long, so far as I can tell. I mean, he's six foot eight, which is decent, but he's not long, and he's not super athletic. But he pulls his weight on defense and a little more, and on a good night. He can play Paul George to a standstill on defense. And Grayson Allen's going to have to try and learn a lot from that, and it's going to be a learning process. Joe Ingles wasn't a super great defender when he came into the league, but he's become that. He's become smarter. Sure, yeah. That just reminded me. I need to go back and watch the highlights from that game. God, that game was so awesome. <laughs> the, the playoffs? Yeah, game four when Joe Ingles just was, oh, man. 
just all up in his grill. I, I'm gonna have to pull it up and cue it for YouTube after this. Oh, it was so good. Dude, that I actually whole... told my brother, I was like, "Don't you ever delete this game from your DVR," and it's gone. I oh. need to, that reminded me I need to send him a hateful text. There's videos I think I've seen when I've gone back and watched highlights. There's ones where it, there's just a video that just says like Paul George versus Joe Ingles, like for the whole series, I think even. Um, obviously, that's not going to show you the whole game, so you'll lose a little bit. But because every time down the court, Joe Ingles was John Paul George, especially after he made a three. Oh, uh, yeah. That was such a good game. So basically, that's what I kind of would love Grayson Allen to be. I'd love him to basically be Joe Ingles light. You know, he's not sure. Gonna... And he's and he's and it's got to be. I mean, yeah, it's going to start with you know building the smarts and knowing what to do and how to utilize uh, you know position or whichever. But he's also pretty athletic. I mean, he's going to be able to kind of implement that into his defensive game. I would. He's not going to be you know, a great standout or he's not going to learn as quickly as say Donovan Mitchell did, but I still, you know, give him about halfway through the year. I, I, I'll, I'll be, we'll have to revisit this. We'll see how Grayson does in his defensive effort halfway through. Yeah. We might be able to tell just how good he's doing on defense based solely on his minutes per game at that point. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like oh. he's playing, he's playing 30 minutes per game. He must be doing pretty good on defense. <laughs> Point three steals a game. <laughs> I don't know if he'll ever be really good at stealing the ball. He's he's a little too short for that. Sure. Well, Joe Ingles, I've seen him just grab the ball out of players' hands, or tip it out and then grab it. Well, it's because he's fighting kangaroos. <laughs> he's not kicking. <laughs> I just had a mental image of Joe Ingles doing that little kangaroo kick where he just. <laughs> Blast the offensive player backwards. That's how we do it in Australia. <laughs> this is how we play defense. That was the worst Australian accent. I apologize to everybody. <laughs> we just lost all of our like hundred listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Australia. I think mine was worse. I used to be able to do an Australian accent kind of, and then. I don't know, puberty happened or something. <laughs> puberty allegedly happened to me. All right. Um, no, I've, I've lost what we were going to talk about. We're going to move on. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about the wing rotation, and we've talked about this a little bit. Um, it's also kind of the wing and power forward rotation, and since we've already talked about two of the wings, we'll move on to a couple others. Um, Tabo Cephalosha, one thing I've noticed is, you know, well, I've, I've kind of just assumed – that Tabo's going to just kind of jump back into the rotation. And watching him against the Kings, a game where everybody's doing really well, I wasn't super impressed by him. I mean, 11 minutes, he was only plus four. He shot all right. You know, he got some rebounds and all that. But overall, he just didn't quite, I don't know, he didn't look as good as I was hoping he would. And granted, he's not exactly the kind of player who's just going to be super involved. He's going to be an off-ball player. But I'm wondering with the knee and the fact that he's like one of the, I think he's the oldest player on the team. Uh, I think at 34-ish, 33, 34-ish. 
I don't know if he's going to be as effective as we we're hoping he was going to be. You know, all last year we were saying, well, if we, if we had Tabo, we'd you know have a little more depth and it'd be better. I, just, I don't know if he's actually going to be as effective as we hope and if he'll manage to stay in the rotation. Uh, Trey, kind of, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, he didn't he didn't look like he was crisp by any means. Um, but like you said, I think he was just more um, a little too lethargic as far as what can I mean? I don't know what he was actually thinking, but I I would feel like his internal thought is I got to be careful on this knee. Plus, I also think it's a little bit more of an adjustment for him to be playing the four spot. Um, when he was in OKC, I don't even remember if he did play the four or not, but it's going to be a matter of him trying to figure out how he's going to best maybe even funnel people into the inside so that they can get, you know, they can meet Rudy or whichever the, he needs to do. So it's going to be a learning curve for him in that sense. But as far as his offense, I think that's something that's just going to come. Um, he's never put up prolific numbers that jump off the stat sheet offensively. Um, but even with that new position, with the Quinn's system, I don't think that's really going to matter for him. Um, it's just going to be a matter of kind of, you know, just getting back into the groove of things. And um, it might take a little bit since he's going to be starting, I don't know how many games under suspension, but. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's going to be six, I think, five or six. Six, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, for him, it's just basically going to be, okay, well, I'm just going to practice with you guys. I can't play in the games, but uh, I'll, I'll, Tabo's a veteran. He'll figure it out. Yeah, and again, like I said, on offense, his role is basically stand in the corner, shoot threes, and on defense, whether he's playing the three or the four, which I feel like just based on the situation of the power forward here in Utah, it's it's going to be a lot of four for him. And I mean, you said it's, it's difficult for him. He's 6'7", 220 pounds. He's going to be two inches shorter than a lot of the fours. So his, his defensive role will be interesting. And the thing about Tabo is he's mostly been known for his defense most of his career. Um, and again, with the Jazz, he had to play defense anyway. So that's going to be his biggest contribution, hopefully. But I am wondering, and you brought this up, and I know a lot of other people have been thinking about it, is with Tabo, you know, the first six games going to be suspended. Maybe he's not as fresh. Age might be catching up with him. Whatever. If he declines, can George's Ning, or I always butcher his name. I'm pretty sure he'd be totally ticked at me if he heard me say his name. But he could possibly step up because he is a young, promising prospect, or at least when I say promising, I mean promising to be a decent role player. Um, mm. Kind of that, that Joe Ingles thing where you know, we hope, you know, Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal, that, you know, he shows good potential to be, you know, a pretty good role player maybe, you know, because Joe Ingles, he's not a star, but he's an A-plus level role player. Maybe George's name could eventually become something like that, maybe a starter or a high-level bench player. Um, and if Tabo struggles a little bit, do you think that Nang could end up getting noticeable minutes instead of being a human victory cigar? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, he could stretch the floor. He's a big body. Um, he, I mean, he can knock down threes. He's athletic for, you know, his size. Um, and, I, I mean, I didn't see really what he could – do so much on defense but um yeah i mean he's going to be a bigger body to fill in that four spot if they need and see the thing with Nying is i feel like he's the 
really one of the few actual power forwards on this team. I mean, five years ago he'd have been a small forward, but I feel like he can really actually fit as a power forward, unlike Jay Crowder and Tabo or Joe Ingles, where it's like, yeah, they could play the four, but that's not really where I like them. But mm-hmm. Nying, it's like, yeah, he's a power forward. Duh. And, and I feel like so if he can get in and produce, I'd be ecstatic. Because he's a guy where it's like he's not out of position. Like Derek Favors almost feels like he's out of position nowadays when he's playing the four, when it feels like he should be playing the five more often. Although hopefully that will change because I think Derek Favors lost a lot of weight in an attempt to become much more of that stretch four. And he's becoming better at shooting threes and starting to shoot them more. But Oh, did you see how comfortable he looked taking those ones he did, though? Man, that just yeah. looks second nature to him. We didn't see that last year. Yeah, the one he hit against Sacramento, it was a contested three. Yeah, and it was just splash. It was, it was pretty. It's like warm-up threes, man. Yeah, so I, if Derek Favors could hit 33% of his threes, I'd be jumping out of the gym. Um, and, and on a slight uh, detour, I think one of the things with Joe Ingles is he's never really taken pull-up threes like or quick catch-and-shoots like with defenders closing in. He's he's always kind of hesitated to just let it fly. He did have a few against Sacramento where it was the more difficult threes. You know, the lower percentage because maybe the ball wasn't thrown in the right place or there's a defender right next to you or something like that. Because mm-hmm. I'd like to see Joe Ingles take more of those. It'll mean his percentage goes down, so he's not going to be leading the league or close to leading the league in three-point percentage, but he'll also right. make a few more threes per game, and it'll be a net gain anyway. But I guess on that note, uh, I think last week we talked about uh, potential surprise players. I know you I think you picked George's name, and I, I agreed with you there that he could be a surprise player and that if he does manage to kind of pass up Tabo Cephalosha or maybe somebody else, I don't know, I think that would be you know, amazing for this team because Royce O'Neal, he was losing almost help last year jumping in. And if George's name can have a similar impact, that's just one more thing that the Jazz get better at. And it, it's one more thing that would bring us closer to maximizing our potential. And we talked last week about kind of the high-end for the, this team is the two seed. That's one of those things where if George's name became good, became a good rotation player, that's one of those things that boosts us towards the potential of being a number two seed. <clears throat> oh, my voice is dying. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm not doing it on purpose. <laughs> I mean, we are at the end of this, but. Like... Yeah, these episodes aren't as as long as we'd hope because there's not as much to talk about. There'll once, be more. It's once the season starts, man. Once the season starts, just waiting for it. Um, Wednesday can't come soon enough. No, it can't. It cannot. And you know, once it happens, we'll have so much more to talk about, and we'll actually really be able to tell a little bit more. Of course, it'll still be an overreaction. Sure. Just because just it'll be, what do we have, like two games? It'll be like... Yeah, I think so. It'll be 141st of the season. So <laughs> there'll be a lot more to, to go. But 
That's the way it is. We always overreact. That's our job as podcasters is to overreact to things. Yeah, and try to be good at analyzing. But <laughs> What is this analyzing you speak of? I don't know. They told me about it in college. <laughs> Critical thinking. <laughs> I don't know. All these useless skills. Nobody needs these things. <laughs> I don't need critical thinking. <laughs> no, yes. nobody needs critical thinking, common sense, or proper analytics. To quote Jenna Marbles, what are this? What are this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know why that's so funny. <laughs> what are this? Donovan Mitchell hath dunked on everybody. What oh my God! Did you see? Did you see that Justin Bieber was wearing a freaking Spida shirt and and he retweeted it? I mean, cool, but it's Justin Bieber, man. Oh, I'm so sick of that. That was Yo, an, whatever. That made me so conflicted. I was like, right, that's an awesome shirt, but it's such a douchebag who's wearing it. Yeah. What am I supposed to do? Did he get kicked out of the country? Like he can't come to the U.S. anymore? Yeah, something happened a while back. It's just like, he's such an idiot. This is why you raise your children properly. If if he solves world hunger, I'd still be I'd still be like, but it's Justin Bieber. <laughs> it's like oh. <laughs> I'd have to reconsider bringing world hunger back just because it's Justin Bieber. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I know he did something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, now we've started talking about Justin Bieber. I think it's time to end this. <laughs> yes, it is. Sorry, everybody, for the two and a half minutes of Justin Bieber talk. We will have, hopefully, around 40 minutes of Utah Jazz talk next week after the first couple of games against the Kings and the Golden State Warriors and maybe somebody else, just in case I forgot. I don't have the schedule up in front of me, so I don't know. But anyway, thank you so much for watching, and we will talk to you next watching. week. What? Watching? What? <laughs> watching? I meant listening. We're ending this now. Goodbye.